Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us, and welcome to The Stage, the official performing arts podcast of the NFHS. Lights, camera, action. Welcome to the first episode of 2021. There's a lot of excitement going on right now in the performing arts world. The first thing we are excited to share with you is the water resources topic that was selected as the 2021-2022 high school policy debate topic. We actually got a chance to sit down and interview the three authors. So without farther ado, here they are. Today, we want to welcome on some very special guests to kick off the first episode of the stage of 2021. Joining us from Kansas are Peter and Pam, and coming to you live all the way from Israel is Luke Brinker. You might recognize some of their names um, because they've, they've kind of been in the, in the news cycle lately. They are the topic authors for the newly selected 2021-2022 National High School Policy Debate Topic, which is Water Resources. The resolution is the United States federal government should substantially increase its protection of water resources in the United States. So Peter, Pam, Luke, let's get right into it. How did you select water resources as your topic? I suppose I ought to be the one to start this. Uh, Peter and Luke are two of my former debaters at Topeka High School in Kansas. Uh, they both debated all four years. Uh, these two gentlemen have been to nationals in their individual events. And I have uh, obviously debated uh, water in some form over 35 years of coaching up to uh, 2014. So water has been a, a topic um, because it's a, a resource that we need to survive. And it's an important resource. And as a result, I convinced Peter and Luke, I said, do you guys want to come along for this ride and help this more mature young lady at heart uh, <laughs> collaborate on this paper? And they both signed on and, and we uh, went from there. So I guess, Luke or Peter, how you want to yeah, Pam, Pam was the progenitor of this topic. I can remember in high school, her throwing around this idea for orations about water conflict. And um, it, it's been her passion. And I'll tell you that that's been infectious. So we've both become enamored with the topic as well. So she, she didn't okay. have to do any arm twisting when she said, hey, we're, we're doing water. She didn't have to twist either your arms. You guys were right on board with it. Nope. I think it was it was a, a Christmas get together that I had with her when we could get together in, in 2019. And uh, after dinner, she said, do you want to work on a water paper with me? And I said, sure. Oh, I love <laughs> she it. said, I'll be emailing you. I was I was going through old messages um, between us from when we kicked off this process. Gosh, I guess it was about a year ago. And uh, it, it felt like we did the entire thing during COVID. And I suppose, you know, the, the, the virus was, was around when we, when we started talking about this last December, last January. Um, but, you know, we, we had no idea that the process was going to unfold the way that it did. But I think in a lot of ways, um, 
the fact that we were sort of operating in these conditions made it easier in some ways to connect uh, with each other via Zoom. And, and you know, even, even while we're juggling remote learning, remote work, all of that, you know, we had this time on our hands to really to dive into the topic. And so um, the more you see uh, water covered, the more you realize that um, there, there's always something happening on the policy front, on the regulatory front. Uh, and so it just reinforced for me, and I think for all of us, what a worthwhile and rich and um, wide ranging topic this really is. Yeah, Luke and Peter, you guys kind of touched on this that Pam asked you guys probably at the end of 2019 to, to help with this topic. And um, I, I, would, I would love to hear Pam from your perspective, kind of guiding that authorship process in such a weird COVID filled year, like we can't get together, but then Luke said sometimes maybe these virtual calls were almost better for that. Um, but then with the, with the kind of the target date for the topic selection meeting, kind of going back and forth and then kind of we nestled it in there right at the very end of 2020 to get it in. What, what was that like for you, Pam? Well, in some ways it, it may have been better because uh, one, I was furloughed from the hospital March 13th. So I was not available to work until the end of June. But obviously our paper was due in April and, and we had some rough drafts and then we got some feedback I think the interesting thing that worked, at least from my perspective, is the fact that we could be together virtually at any time of day. It, obviously it was earlier for us and later for Luke, but we tried to accommodate around his work schedule so that we weren't encroaching on his work from home. <clears throat> and we all started uh, with a brainstorming process. What are we looking at here when we talk about water? And so we did some exercises like that. And then all three of us started working on uh, pulling articles and building a bibliography. And then that you know, struck a chord that um, one of us wanted to get um, a book and start cutting from a book. And uh, Luke was looking through some government documents. And I, I mean, we were all doing different pieces and parts of this and then coming together <clears throat> in a Zoom meeting to share out what we were doing. And of course, our, we were emailing constantly. Yeah, I will echo what they said about just being more comfortable with the format of video conferencing, um, sometimes having more work from home situations where you could meet um, kind of impromptu if you needed to and not having to worry about um, other things. I think we've all been fairly lucky to not have serious concerns either health-wise or um, economically during this time. Um, uh, but I will say that knowing Pam, um, one, we kind of have that established relationship with her of, you know, she was our coach. So you know, you kind of fall back into that, like she's, she's going to lead us and just let her, you know, do the work and work hard. And, and anybody that knows Pam knows that she's driven by adversity. I mean, if anything, I think the pandemic probably made her focus more on this and get it done even faster. Oh, that's I, I would, it really took me back the, the research process to 
15, 16 years ago when I was starting out as a freshman debater and then all through four years of high school. Um, and it reminded me, um, I always knew, but it just brought home in a new way just what a, a collaborative process it is when you're working on any sort of project with Pam, whether it's uh, researching your affirmative case, whether it's working on an individual event in forensics. Um, because, you know, on these Zoom meetings, we would all come having done some bit of research focused on one given area of the topic. And of course that would raise new questions within us. And then we'd take that uh, to each other and new ideas would spring from that. So it was just a really uh, collaborative process where there was some great give and take. And I hope and think that that will have made this topic um, that much of a better one for, for everyone who's gonna be debating it next year. Yes. Yeah, so you talk about a collaborative effort. You talk about lots of good ideas, Pam kind of leading you. How was that when you guys kind of got out of your safe zone with ideas and Zoom meetings and, hey, hey, let's, let's join together. And then now you're in front of uh, the, the wording committee or you're, you're in front of all the topic selection meeting attendees and it's virtual. So that's different. And there's a lot of new people there. So, so that's different. And then there's people maybe, we all know how this goes, people say things online or in Zoom meetings that, that they wouldn't necessarily say in person. Um, so so kind of talk about, talk about that process, how you guys prepared to present it uh, and, then, and then how it actually went. I'll just say, first of all, I didn't think I was gonna be able to attend the topic selection committee in any capacity because as I said, when we started this, COVID was this new phenomenon that we weren't sure how long is it going to last? What's this going to look like a year from now, six months from now? Um, so when it ended up being a virtual meeting, I was actually able to participate. So in a way, um, it just goes to show once again how this, this virtual format worked uh, to at least my advantage in that situation. Although I'll say I'm in Israel where we're currently in the midst of our third lockdown. So the entire country is home using their internet which means that your bandwidth is limited, which means that when you're on a Zoom meeting, you know, at the end of the workday, which I was when these meetings started, you know, you're getting kicked off of Zoom and you're having to re-enter and technical difficulties just keep popping up. So of course, there are the standard frustrations, but in terms of the actual uh, meeting and the process, I, I would say uh, I wasn't too worried about what the questions would be like. And I think that the feedback that we got, if anything, sharpened the topic uh, and really helped us to fine tune what it is that we're trying to facilitate among debaters. And I'll say it was probably good being a novice, not having any preconceived notions of what it would be, because then there was no possible way for me to be disappointed because <laughs> it was all new, but I was pleasantly surprised. I heard um, other coaches speak about this and, and I can speak to it too, that there is such a level of respect and camaraderie around the people that are there. It's some of the very few people in the world probably that understand um, what this little thing is that we do debate and forensics and um, so it was a real joy to get to hear all those voices and like Luke said really kind of come to a higher level of understanding about our topic through those conversations. I think one thing that was obviously I've been to multiple uh, wording committee meetings and have served on the wording committee and been a chair and been in Marshall subcommittees <clears throat> 
unlike before, I think with the 80 some voices that we had at this conference, which I would love to replicate in person every summer was awesome because I, I think we heard from people whom we've not heard from before and they were very insightful. Um, I know in our Marshall subcommittee, we had a representative from an organization uh, that has been recently a part of the uh, topic process who really voiced her praises about the topic because of accessibility of information and that there was good information on both sides and it, it could be very engaging for that beginning debater as well as the advanced debater who wants to do more technical things with the topic. That, Pam, perfect, perfect lead in there. What makes this a balanced topic? You kind of talked about how, how this works for people that are advanced debaters, people that are novice debaters, um, and, and then the accessibility of information. What, what else makes it such a good topic? Well, I think there's good case debate, and we have not seen that in a long time on the negative side because the negative tries to put out a position in that first negative constructive speech that's here's our whole uh, ball of wax that we're going to deal with in this debate round, as opposed to really splitting the block using debate terminology where one debater deals with case and the other debater deals with plan. There's rich case debate on this topic. I also think there are all sorts of plan alternatives and um, approaches that the second negative can be making. So looking at it from maybe a more traditional lens, but still thinking contemporarily in terms of how debate has uh, moved toward a more contemporary approach, there's something for everybody on this topic. It is not just geared to one kind of debate. All debaters yes. can find great information I, I totally agree with that. You know, I think obviously if you look uh, to something like the Flint water crisis, which is, you know, within very recent memory and still fresh and something that the people there are still living with the ramifications of, you can point to a lot of harms in the status quo and, you know, almost intuitively sense why an affirmative would argue that yes, there needs to be more federal action on this front. At the same time, you can point to five plus decades now of regulatory and statutory measures, whether it's the Safe Drinking Water Act or different executive orders uh, that presidents of both parties have issued trying to address this issue. And you realize when you think about that, that look, the affirmative team here is gonna have a pretty substantial burden of proof that they're gonna need to clear if they're gonna demonstrate that their plan is actually gonna be the one that solves these issues that we've been trying to solve for, for decades now. So it really does present a whole range of opportunities for both sides to drill down on these issues. And I think to think about what's worked in terms of how this issue has been approached before and how in 2021, um, a different approach may or may not lead us to a different place. And I would say the the kind of wide 
ranging amount of cases that you could have is both benefit to the affirmative and it's, you know, a cause for the negative to, you know, bring up that this is water is such a broad issue that anything you choose to do, um, there are other options that possibly you may focused on instead. Um, you know, one major issue that we kept coming back to during this topic paper was environmental justice and how no matter what the affirmative does, there are going to be questions of there have been, as Luke said, decades of regulations uh, that have not remedied issues like the Flint water crisis. So no matter what the affirmative does, there is great evidence out there that whatever the government may try to do may not actually accomplish it for the most in need. And spinning off of the environmental justice, <clears throat> thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in this world, water fits very nicely with this whole argument. You know, why are the indigenous people being denied access to water? And we've seen this during the pandemic. There was a great uh, 60 minutes about what's happening in Arizona with some of the indigenous people who do not have access to one potable water of any kind. And they're capturing rainwater. Uh, many of their dwellings do not have running water or indoor facilities. Now we're talking the 21st century and you're going, what? So I think there's fertile ground there. I also think you look at low income neighborhoods or in the case of Topeka, Kansas, where we've got water pipes that have not been replaced for hundreds of years that now are breaking everywhere. And what's that doing to our accessibility to water? But more importantly, is that water going to be clean or are we all going to be drinking bottled water for an extended period of time? <clears throat> this is part of our daily life. And for some people, it's their daily life every day. That's the tragedy. So obviously water, water resources and water, that's an extremely relevant topic. Um, how confident did you feel that, that you were able to get this, all your points and all your work across to the wording committee, to all the state delegates that were at the topic selection meeting, to maybe the, the people, the constituents that were gonna go back to their state association office um, and, and meet with their debate coaches. H how confident did you feel during this two-step voting process that took place really quickly after the topic selection meeting? I'll let the boys speak first and then I'll conclude. Well, I was like, I, I told Pam immediately after the meeting, you know, obviously being a first timer there, I was pleasantly surprised with the reception of the topic. I had a very positive feeling about it. Um, I thought, even if it doesn't make it, it at least has, you know, really, you know, piqued people's interest, at least in this topic, even moving into the future. Um, so I feel very confident, but I knew that in a mixed year where you have both international and domestic topics, and it indeed came down to an international and a domestic topic, that there's going to be that natural tension between people that want to debate a more foreign policy related issue that might have more kind of global impact um, versus something that is a domestic topic that has more relevance to, to our own citizens. Yeah, I'll say I felt pretty good about where we were after the meeting, um, although 
I had no way of sort of quantifying, you know, what our, what our chances were of ultimately winning uh, the ballot. Um, but to me, I think the best sign that we were heading heading toward a result that we would be happy with was just that the tone and the tenor of the conversation was a lot more around how do we make this topic even sharper, even better, rather than, you know, why, why would anyone even want to debate this topic? It was clear, I think, from the get-go that this is a topic that coaches, students, uh, judges, um, the communities in which these debaters are debating would all find um, worthwhile. So I felt good. I prepared the gentleman ahead of time as to what to expect in this whole voting process. But let's go back to when our paper was first submitted and we had the reviews. We had two excellent reviewers um, who reviewed our papers and uh, one of whom suggested that this should be a model paper for other writers because of the format and the approach that we had taken as opposed to um, making it look like a long negative brief put together. Uh, but our other reviewer made some very salient observations that led us to do some revision that we had not thought, had talked about. And so I think that was very good. So it gave us an opportunity to dig a little deeper and this was especially on some negative arguments that we wanted to maybe flush out. And <clears throat> we did a revision there. And trust me, as a pre-AP, pre-advanced placement English teacher as well, I'm always looking at what is this end product going to look like? So, um, and plus I've got, both gentlemen are great writers. Uh, I can't measure up to them as well as as they are far superior of a writer than I am, and I uh, applaud them for that. But we were constantly reviewing everything each one of us wrote. And because of that collaboration and respect for each other, we were able to say, yeah, I like that suggestion, or what about if I tweaked it this way? And, and both guys would say, mm, I don't know. And we go back to the drawing board. So we've got a really healthy relationship in that writing process, which you need to have when you're working collaboratively. So we felt pretty good about the product after that re uh, revision from the second review. Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously the kind of the results of, of what the states and, and national organizations thought as well comes back from that first vote, narrowing it from five to two and it's clearly water resources in Russia are, are one, two right there. You got, I think you guys split the first and second place votes, um, even with those other three topics in. Um, and then go, going into uh, the, the final vote, I think James touched a little bit uh, on this with, with you, Pam and, and Luke, before we started the interview, just what a, what a great topic it was. And, and people were so excited about either Russia or water resources. Mm -hmm. And, and we, it seemed like we finally had a top two that people were so passionate about one side or the other. I mean, and, and I, I don't know if, if James told you guys this, but we had a record number of states and associations vote this year. We've, That's awesome. We've, we've never had as many 
we had 39 states vote this year and four national organizations. Wow. And we, we've never had that kind of turnout. So what is, I mean, now, now knowing that, what, is, what does that kind of say about having two topics that, that really, I don't want to say reinvigorated the policy debate community, but I think that quick turnaround from the topic selection meeting to then the two votes to having two really great topics, I, I think it got everyone fired up. What do you guys think? Absolutely. I would, I, would, I would concur. And in fact, if we're going to be living in this COVID world for a while, if we have to go virtual again um, and not meet in person in August, I, I think we'll get more voices. I, I really do. I think more people are going to be a part of that process. And back many years ago, this used to be the traditional spot was to meet in December after the holidays and, and hold a meeting. Maybe doing it virtually for a while is not a bad thing. Not that I'm an advocate of that because I think you get a different sense of camaraderie and advocacy when you're in person and you're able to interact with people face to face. I think having such wide participation uh, it's really important. You know, if you'd asked me, would you rather win a squeaker with just a handful of states and organizations participating, or would you rather, you know, come up a bit short, but with everyone participating, I would have chosen the latter. Luckily, I didn't have to make that choice. We were able to, to win uh, in a close vote, but with uh, a lot of participation, record participation, which I hadn't realized. But um, when I think about the first topic I debated my freshman year, which was um, whether the federal government should decrease its authority to search without probable cause or detain without charge. To me, that was the topic that, uh, you know, convinced me, you know what, this debate thing, it's exciting, it's, it's, it's stimulating, it's something I should keep doing for the rest of my high school career. Um, and so, you know, when we were putting this topic together, writing the topic paper, doing the research, um, I, and I think it's safe to say Pam and Peter as well, felt this heavy burden of responsibility that this is, this is a topic that for a lot of people is going to be their introduction to the debate. And for others, it's, it's you know, going to be one of only four topics they debate during their, their career. So, you know, we've got we to do something here that they're going to actually be excited about and interested in. And so to have such wide participation um, from the states and organizations um, to get that input with people saying, yes, this is, you know, this is what we think people will want to debate. It's, it's really gratifying. And I think um, a vote of confidence in, in, the, in the work that we've done. Yeah, I think it was, I, I agree with the comment that, you know, you made that it, there was such a level of participation that even though it was close, I mean, you had people energized, um, which, I mean, I think that has value in it just in and of itself, I think um, every year there are these conversations about, well, which would be the better topic? And, you know, coaches are arguing with each other. And I told someone, I said, even if someone is, you know, speaking ill of the topic that we wrote, I said, I think that's a valuable conversation. So I don't take offense from it. I think that the fact that our topic spurred a lot of conversation is a great thing for policy debate. Yeah, yeah. I again, it was it was awesome to see kind of the vote come down to the wire. It was awesome to get 
hundreds of emails talking about, no, I think it should be this. I think it should be this. It was awesome to read on Facebook, on Twitter, on different debate boards. People go back and forth in the comments. I'm sure you guys were <laughs> living in that world for a couple of weeks. Um, but, but you guys ultimately came together. You had a great experience to author the paper. You guys had a great leader, great teacher and Pam. What would you say to people who are listening to this, who maybe are a little nervous to take that leap of faith to write, to author a paper for the next year's meeting? We've gotten kind of a lot of nibbles, but I think a lot of people are like, well, I, you know, I don't know. Would people think this, um, kind of resolution doesn't make sense. I need help. I've never done this before. What, what would be some, some of your advice to a first time topic author since Luke and Peter, this was, this was your this first one, time. The most important thing I would say is that it's great, especially if you're a first timer to have at least one partner. Um, taking this on alone is something you certainly can do if you want but working with a couple other people, as I was lucky enough to do, even if you broadly sort of share the same perspectives, you're bringing a different set of eyes to the topic. You're bringing a different uh, research base, a different um, you know, notion of what's possible to do with the topic. So to me, that was one of the most rewarding parts of the whole process was taking what I had learned, read, researched, bringing it to them and saying, well, here's what I think. What do you guys think? And, you know, sometimes, sometimes we'd be pretty much in agreement. Other times it would open up new avenues of discussion that I hadn't considered. So uh, if you want to sharpen your ideas, make your topic paper a better one and benefit from, you know, the different perspectives that other people have to offer, I would say you don't have to take this on alone. In fact, it's probably going to make your topic a better one if you don't take it on alone. And I was gonna say that um, it is a difficult process and I can't imagine doing it by myself to echo what Luke said, but also um, just knowing that so much has been given to me by Pam, my coach, by the community. I really viewed it as service that, you know, someone worked hard on the topics that I debated in high school, and that took a lot of time and energy. And if we're going to sustain and grow policy debate, we need leaders that are willing to step up and do this in service of the activity. And Pam, I'll, I'll give you the, the floor for the final question here. You must be so proud to have two of your former students, two of your former um, debaters help you author this paper for this paper to go forward and be selected as the 2021-2022 National High School Policy Debate Topic. What a great moment. What a great story. Pam, take, take us home here. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Well, I, I told the boys, I said, this is a great resume builder for both of you. You can put this on your Vita and say, look what, look what I've done, uh, regardless of what area of work you may or may not be in. I said, for me, okay, we've done it. And now I can say I'm two for two because the first paper I uh, co-authored with Cindy Burgett, the former director of <clears throat> debate at Washburn Rural High School, in Topeka and it was selected. And that was, uh, I think probably what, 2009, 2008 to, on energy independence, alternative energy. And it was a great process. You know, it's the first time Cindy and I have written a paper. And again, I would echo what 
Peter and Luke have said, you really need a partner. If you're, if you're wanting to author, find someone who will help you, who will be that other sounding board. I mean, the three of us were sounding boards to each other. And that's what makes a huge difference in the collaborative process, in the research process, in the writing process, and the final product. Well, Pam, Luke, Peter, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing your excitement, for kind of giving us a look behind the curtain at, at what the authorship process was like. Um, we thank you for, for taking some time and, and visiting with us. And, and we know people all across the country are energized now and they're gonna be listening to this and, and hopefully it encourages them to either get involved in debate, to author a paper, to attend the meeting next year. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, in Kansas City, but, but maybe virtually, we'll see. Um, so thank you guys so much for your time, wisdom, knowledge, um, and we really, really appreciate it. And congratulations again. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks, it was so much fun. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely an awesome interview with Peter, Pam, and Luke on how they wrote the water resources paper. It was awesome to see kind of them peeling back the curtain and, and showing how they banded together despite the virtual circumstances, despite the time differences of Luke living in Israel. It was really awesome to hear that insight. I hope it recruits other authors. I hope it gets people excited about policy debate here in the future. And we are so excited to just keep rolling on, providing you resources and materials. We know that 2020 was a hard year. We know that 2021 has been a hard year for most. We want to be here as NFHS to continue to provide you resources and materials. So email James Weaver or myself, K-M-I-L-L-S at NFHS.org. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, people you want to hear on the podcast, or really anything else. And that's the show. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Stage.